It's Jessica Marshall here, and we are in week two of the Eagles' triumphant return from summer hiatus. We are starting to feel all the fall feels here in upstate New York. Crisper weather, a little orangey-red tinge to the trees. I don't know about you, but I already broke out my cozy sweaters. But before we get too into our autumnal selves, I want to address a rumor that blew up over the summer while we were on break. In mid-August, the middle school principal at Ichabod Crane Central School in Kinderhook, New York, posted on Facebook that he heard a rumor that Grammy-winning superstar Taylor Swift was buying a historic house in town. The post blew up. It went totally viral locally. The whole region reverberated with the collective squeal of its resident Swifties. If this was true, the Burgoyne House was setting itself up to be the hottest trick-or-treating spot in the United States. Maybe even the world. Our Hudson Valley reporter Alexandra Zissou was all over this rumor, which I have to say is false, by the way. But it was such a sensational story, people are still talking about it, that I connected with her to find out what was the deal there. I think I was in the newsroom when we first got wind of this. There's a rumor that Taylor Swift is going to buy this historic house in Kinderhook. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is going to be huge. Where did this come from? You know, I do, like we all do every morning, scroll all the different news sources. And it was pretty early. It was very early, actually. So um, I think the reason that the shout out went through the newsroom is that I very early in the morning was sort of just texted my editor and was like, very strangely, a sort of Ulster County elected official Facebook messengered me um, some random person's Facebook page where the rumor was, where he was saying like, oh, don't be surprised if she's our new neighbor. And, you know, originally, like, even though I sort of hadn't had enough coffee, I was like, well, obviously, this is something to look into. And ordinarily, I wouldn't look into something so silly as a Facebook rumor. But I got the tip from an elective official, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and also, who has no kids, by the way? So I was like, really? You're Are they a Taylor Swift fan? I know. I was like, hi, that's hilarious. So anyway, it turns out that the guy who was floating around the rumor was like the co-principal of the middle school up there. So I don't know how often do school principals start rumors about Taylor Swift. It just felt like something to spend my day on. <laughs> and then, I, you know, I started making calls. Um, I did remember to screen grab that Facebook page just actually to sort of help myself. But as it turns out, it, his announcement was taken down at some point later that morning. So I was glad that I had it. You know, so then I just I called around, but the the you know the comments obviously on the original Facebook page were hilarious and amazing, and parents were so excited. It didn't seem plausible because it was really very much right in town on the main drag there in Kinderhook, and I everyone's like, we know where we're trick or treating this year, uh, and I was thinking like, <laughs> kind of don't think that Taylor Swift, you know, maybe she likes children, whatever, but I don't think she wants people that like there was seems like there was a security problem. Yeah, she is literally one right now, arguably the most famous artist in the world. 
And then, you know, everybody sort of jumped in on it. So like there was an article that someone sent me immediately, a very long article in the Wall Street Journal about how she's um, been amassing real estate for many, many years and has become kind of a very savvy real estate investor. So the Hudson Valley doesn't seem improbable. There's a lot of great places here and people have made a, a lot of money investing here. It's a wonderful place to live and relax. And then there was another side story that she had recorded some part of one album with a um, recording studio up here. So she had a connection to the, you know, there was sort of some plausible rumor. Right, it wasn't totally out of realm of possibility. Yeah. But then I don't know me, I was thinking she's not going to buy on the main drag. It also, it was not inexpensive, but it wasn't wildly expensive piece of real estate. She doesn't need to walk to town to have a coffee. They have really good coffee there. But anyway, so <laughs> I had read a lot. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but I've read enough to know that she really kind of shies away from really public yes. interactions, right? She doesn't live in Malibu. She doesn't live in the Hamptons. Right. So at some point, it just to me, the story became what the hell was this middle school principal thinking, especially since he was going to disappoint his very own constituents, <laughs> these young um, kids who were the, probably thinking he was super cool when their parents showed but who's on Facebook? Not anyone of that demographic. But anyway, their parents were probably like, oh, my God, your principal says this is happening. And then like six hours later, it wasn't. I tried very hard to get the middle school guy on the phone. And it was clear his staff was kind of aware. Maybe I wasn't the only one calling. They were like, he's in a meeting. You know, They've never dealt with the media before, but they were a little bit like you could hear the wariness in their voice. Um, <laughs> and sometime shortly after that, the Facebook page was down. But you were able to confirm shortly thereafter that this was definitely not happening, right? Well, I was on the phone with the real estate agent and he was he was laughing and he just, he actually likes Taylor Swift, but he was like, I would like to sell her some houses. Can I tell you what houses I would sell her? Not this one. <laughs> and then it was also expressed to like, you know, the, the sellers were a little bit freaked out because they didn't, you know, they were in the middle of negotiations and they were very close to closing the deal and you know, there was all this buzz around it and nobody wanted anyone to get scared off and nobody wanted like, you know, if it's in the newspaper, they were worried like people will come and stop by and try and know, you know, see if she lives there. So there was like extra layers of stuff that I hadn't even thought of when I started talking to the to the real estate broker. But he, I mean, just absolutely flat, flat, not even like trying to tease it out, just a flat denial. Sorry, not happening. If you go and look through all the records and stuff, you know, there's not an LLC that bought that house. Unless she's now like fronting, I'm not going to start extra rumors. No, she didn't buy the house. She wasn't going to buy the house. Your headline pretty much said it all. Yeah. Taylor Swift is not buying the Burgoyne house. What is it about? What is this house? The Burgoyne house, of course, if you're a student of American history, you know that John Burgoyne was a British general who, you know, got his butt handed to him by the Americans during the revolution. It was the turning point of the revolution. Like, um, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of American history right here in the Hudson Valley, right across the street from it. A well-known gallery owner from New York City bought an old school and fixed it up. And it's this great gallery called The School. And it's just, just this row of old historic houses that sort of leads into the main street of Kinderhook. And it's um, it's gorgeous. It's, you know, and if you care about history or details, there's plenty in there. It actually seems to have quite a bit of space behind it. But a lot of those houses on that main road leading up are um, 
really gorgeous and quite close to the street. Maybe this was that principal kind of like backward ploy to get students interested in American history. Oh, no, it was really, <laughs> I'm still sad. Most people were interested in Taylor Swift when it comes to that story. I am interested in the psychology of the middle school principal that would use a, a fairly public forum. He was not, that was not a private post. I was able to see it and I'm not friends with him for such a weird, like so weird I'm still disappointed that I was not able to at least spend a couple minutes on the phone with him trying to figure out what he was thinking. Well, it's a heck of a story. And I know you and I have talked on this podcast before about the types of stories that you like to see landing in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> or and like this seemed to fit that bill, right? I, we did share that. I think my children are the only two people in their age groups in the United States of America that don't aren't fans. So I, I'm, I can't... Re- cite everything by heart, but um, there, you have to be living under a very large rock to not know that she is a star. And that song, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It, that like has been in my head since this story came yeah. out. Yeah. Well, if Taylor Swift ever does in real life try and decide to buy a house in the Hudson Valley, you will be all over it, right? I will be all over it. And I have multiple uh, real estate entrants to introduce her to who know how to send her on a very private journey down private mile long roads uh, surrounded (laughs) by beautiful wilderness, but still close enough to everything that the Hudson Valley has to offer that she could enjoy it if she could uh, get through the throngs. All right. Well, you heard it here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. So Taylor Swift is not coming to town that we know of, but tons of other entertainers do come here on the regular to perform. So check out timesunion.com for a list of all of those people. And that's also a great segue to the fact that comedian Michael Costa was here this week. Comedy is a terrible profession. It is a terrible, terrible profession. You get paid nothing for many, many years. Everything about it sucks. (laughs) But every once in a while, you have an evening that makes you do it for another 10 years. And that's tonight's evening. Thank you very much. Costa is most well-known as a senior correspondent on The Daily Show. So we sent Michael Costa down to South Carolina to ask Trump's crowds about one of their favorite new policies. The nation's media may be focused on kids in cages being ripped apart from their families at the border, but down here in Trump country, they only wanted to talk about one thing. Space Force. Space Force. We need it. The Michigander is also a former pro tennis player, too, which is a fact that I think is equally impressive. Even if, as he told myself and Christy Gustafson Barletti this week, he is only ranked 864. Still impressive. Costa performed Wednesday at June Farms in Rensselaer County. And shortly before he got here, he was actually in a car heading from the airport in Phoenix, and he was wearing his seatbelt. He jumped on the call with us to talk. And he joins us now with Christy on the Eagle. So here we go, Michael. We are going to do a lightning round of questions. Are you ready? Right. Thank you. A stupid dare you agreed to do. Uh, perform in a Speedo on the Santa Monica promenade in college. That we need a photo of. Um, better to perform at a basement bar or in an old theater? 
I like basement. I believe comedy is a is a is a downward motion. So if you have to go down, I think it helps the comedy. All right. Wimbledon or the US Open? Wimbledon. Grass sports. Come on. A word you hate saying. I know people want me to say moist. I know people want me to say panties, but I love those words. Uh, a word I hate saying. To say squirrel in German is a very difficult word. It's Eichenschen. <laughs> is anything really easy in German, though? No. No, I, I can't think of an English word, really, that I hate saying. Favorite store? Oh, wow. This is good. This is a good one. You didn't think this was going to be one that would stump me. I love ice cream, and I think banging for buck, a Ben & Jerry's ice cream store, can we call it that, is is always good. Okay, then we got to go, what flavor at Ben & Jerry's? I think their milk and cookies is the best grocery store ice cream you can get, hands down. And they do not sponsor this interview. <laughs> but they do sell that in their scoop shops. There you go. All right. Agassiz or Sampras? Older Agassiz. Young Agassiz, image is everything, not for me. Older Agassiz, integrity, competitive nets, fitness, all day. All right. Who do you text the most often? Probably the person who helps me with my social media. <laughs> and then my wife. And then my wife. So that's sad, right? But but I love my wife more. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's an important disclaimer. All right. East Coast or West? Midwest. Oh, that's a cop-out, but all right. Who makes you laugh? Any stand-up comic. Anybody who is gutsy enough to get up there and try to shed their personality and the layers of their life on stage makes me laugh. All right, I'll take it. Cannonball into the pool or dip a toe in first? Cannonball. 100% cannonball. I'm not a dip toe guy. I don't think anybody should dip a toe. You got to go all in. All right. Scale of one to 10. 10 means disaster. How messy is your house or your apartment? If it was just me, it would be a 9.75. Thankfully, my better half <laughs> doesn't makes it a much orderly place. Okay. What about your favorite show? My favorite show on TV is Alone. It comes from the History Channel. It's also on Netflix. It's where 10 survivalists battled the Canadian Arctic all alone. I eat it up. I watch every single episode of it. Is that the show where they're all naked? No, it's not Naked and Afraid. It's <laughs> a highly produced, highly trash reality TV show. Alone is the complete opposite, where they actually have to film themselves and kill a bear with their bare hands. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. All right. How many items can you really bring to the 10 items or fewer line at the grocery store and still not be that jerky guy in line? Once you hit seven, everyone else starts counting and is mad at you. So I would say actually less than seven. Oh, okay. Oh, you're a considerate grocery shopper. All right. A chore you despise. Emptying the dishwasher. It only takes 10 seconds, but I hate it. And I put it off all day long. And best late night eats. Like after a show, where do you go? What do you eat? I usually get a Chinese food delivery in Brooklyn. I get all types of different stuff, but I think comedy, late night, Chinese food. In a basement, top by Ben and Jerry. <laughs> 
You can check out video of our interview with Michael Costa on our social channels and on timesunion.com. We're going to take a very short break now, and when we come back, we will bring you the latest on an unusual murder trial that's underway in Albany. We'll be right back. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union subscriber today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm Jessica Marshall. Let's check in now on a murder trial that's happening in Albany this week. 42-year-old physician assistant Jacob Klein is accused of the brutal killing of another physician assistant, 35-year-old Philip Rabati. In April of 2022, Rabati was found dead in his garage in the Albany suburb of New Scotland. He was bound and stabbed. Prosecutors allege that Klein killed Rabati in a jealous rage. Rabati had married Klein's ex-girlfriend, Elena Radin, about six months earlier. Klein maintains his innocence. He is also representing himself. All of that makes for an unusually sensational case here in the Capital Region. The Times Union's Rob Gavin has been in the courtroom from the beginning, and he joins me now to give us an update on the latest. You know, what are the most important things that that happened in court this week? The case now in its second week is at a point where we're starting to hear evidence, which I think we didn't necessarily know was coming. I think we knew we were going to see some very compelling evidence of a person who is allegedly so angry over the loss of his ex-girlfriend and the marriage of her to Philip Rabati that he's willing to murder to give back to her. I think we knew we were going to hear stuff like that. But we heard this week, here's something I don't think we could talk about enough, is the fact that about 10.30, between 10 and 11 o'clock on the day of the murder, the body of Philip Rabati has not been discovered yet. That does not happen until he does not show up for work about noon that day. And at some point, his wife works with him at St. Peter's. Ellie Radin calls 911 to do a welfare check. Albany County Sheriff's deputies go over, do the welfare check, and moments after they get there, Ellie Radin and her father-in-law, the victim's father, Shaw Rabati, show up, and they make this horrific discovery. We saw the video last week of this body cam footage. It's probably some of the most uh, heartbreaking video you'll ever see. But this week, we're seeing evidence of what police and prosecutors allege Jacob Klein did after that, and that is we see video of him at the Enterprise between 10 and 11. So before Philip Rabati's body has been discovered, Jacob Klein is leaving town, checking out of this Airbnb on Parkwood Street in the city of Albany, right near St. Peter's Hospital, by the way. And he's returning that Dodge Ram pickup. The evidence we're seeing is that he then goes to Virginia, where he lives in this town of Wurtz in the southern Virginia, right near a place called Smithland Mountain Lake. At some point, he makes a call. That's on the 14th, the day after the homicide. Jacob Klein contacts 
Timothy Wynn. Timothy Wynn is a friend. These guys have only met about three times in person, but they've been friends about 10 years. They're gamers, right? That's how they met? The gaming relationship. Wynn gets on the witness stand and testifies and says, Jacob told me he was in big trouble with the law and he was going to turn himself in. And meanwhile, you know, this is right as Jacob Klein's just a, a few feet away at the defense table. Right. And by the way, I should mention, too, I mentioned this in the intro, too, but I'll mention it again, that Jacob Klein is representing himself. Ergo, he gets to cross-examine all of the witnesses, right? Correct. Which includes Mr. Wynn, his, his friend of 10 years. He says that he got this call on the the 14th of April, one day after the murder, and said that Jacob Klein called him up and said, look, can you watch my dog, Kira, of the Alaskan Malamute, who Klein had gotten years earlier with Ellie Radin? And according to Mr. Wynn, Jacob Klein called him up and quote unquote says, he told me that he was in big trouble with the law and he was going to turn himself in, but he wanted someone to take his dog before he turned himself in. I told him, okay, I'll take the dog. Mr. Wynn says that he asked Jacob if police were looking for him and that Klein replied, probably. It's still about nine hours, really, from where Klein lives, but obviously shorter than going to the Dallas area. So they meet up. So Mr. Wynn, he testifies that he took the dog, that Jacob Klein gave gave the dog a a last walk, and then he handed him $8,000 and a bowl of water. This is where it got, I thought, really awkward during the cross-examination. Klein, and we know he's representing himself, like he said, he tries to suggest to Mr. Wynn, when I said big trouble with the law, isn't that kind of like, you know, like a a Texas thing to say? And of course, the prosecution objects. I don't know about you. I've never heard big trouble with the law is a quote-unquote Texas thing. Everything is bigger in Texas, though, right? I guess if you're going to be in trouble with the law, you might as well be big trouble with the law. Uh, he, didn't he intimate kind of, and this is just me taking from your reporting, didn't he kind of intimate, though, that he was making a joke? Maybe he was trying to seem... This is what he says to sort of clarify the situation. On cross-examination, Klein says to his friend, is it possible I told you that authorities were looking for me and I wanted you to watch my dog for the time being until I could get her back? And Wynn says yes. At this point, this story was not national news. By no. I mean, at this point, we were just hearing about it here in the capital region and investigators yeah. were in the early stages of the investigation, right? Yeah, no indication that he's learned of, you know, anything in a conversation. There's been no evidence of, hey, you hear this guy who is married your ex-girlfriend has been murdered. We haven't heard any of that. And yet we have heard Mr. Wynn say, Hey, he told me he's in big trouble with the law. The next day, we heard testimony from a state trooper. So as Jacob Klein is returning, he said he's going back. He was heading north on Route 81, Interstate 81, right where it goes from the state of Tennessee into the state of Virginia. And as he's going across the line, there has been what they call a bolo. Be on the lookout. Police have identified him in New York State as a suspect in this homicide. So when he's pulled over, a state trooper by the name of Joshua Barner, we saw this in court and he's got his gun drawn. And he literally is like, it's it's like watching a scene out of a movie. He's like, driver, pull down your windows, put both your hands on the window now. And he later testifies that the reason why they 
did that at gunpoint is because of the seriousness of the charge with which they knew was facing Jacob Klein, which, you know, is a murder charge in New York. We see the video and on the video. This is body cam footage, right? This is body cam footage from Tennessee State Trooper Joshua Barrier. We hear Klein say, and it's really, it's unsolicited. He says, they get him up and he's in handcuffs. I know what you guys are here for. I was planning on turning myself in. I'm not going to fight you guys. But that's two times in two days where you heard unsolicited admissions from Jacob Klein. Is that a confession? No, it's not. Hey, I murdered someone. I'm turning myself in. But it's certainly incriminating. You told your friend you're in big trouble with the law. And you told a police officer without being asked anything about anything. And you immediately said, I know why you guys are here. I think those comments are pretty strong evidence for the prosecutors. The huge expected star witness in this case is Alana Raiden. Alana Raiden, of course, being the ex-girlfriend of the defendant and the wife of the victim. And because Jacob Klein is defending himself, there's this extremely rare situation where he's going to be in a position to cross-examine his ex-girlfriend. And she's expected to, to testify about the controlling relationship that she was in with Klein. She's expected to say that he was emotionally abusive. And- yeah. She's expected to testify that this was an emotionally abusive relationship, that it was a controlling relationship and examples of that. There's also just the very basic idea of this woman and her ex-boyfriend who's charged with murdering her husband. Face to face. Face to face. I think it's I think that's a reasonable question to ask, though. Has there been enough testimony now that you need Alana Raiden? I don't know. There there may well be enough testimony there to convict him. That being said, there's a lot more that will come in with Alana Raiden. And the other thing that's going to come in is how he interacts with his former girlfriend. Depending on what Alana Raiden would say while he's cross-examining her, we don't know how he's going to react. We've seen his words in emails. We've seen this is the person he's obsessed with. Here's the other thing to watch out for with next week. At some point, he's going to have his own testimony, right? He's going to have to put his own defense. He doesn't have to put on a defense. He may not testify. I'm assuming he will because he gave an opening statement and he's going to want to back that up. He has made multiple references to having had a date on Tinder at some point during the week that he was up in Albany and he mentioned appeared to mention what he seemed to indicate in his opening statement was some sort of sexual encounter with a date on Tinder. I don't know where he's going with that. He's tried to shoehorn this in a number of times. You could speculate. Is he going to try to say that he was with this woman at the time the murderers? I don't know. I really don't know. We don't know what happened. We weren't there. We obviously, he's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. But I do expect that Tinder date to be part of next week's testimony. You can read all of Rob Gavin's coverage of the Klein trial, and you can find more info on all of the topics and issues that we discuss on this podcast, all by heading over to timesunion.com or checking out any of our social channels. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. The Eagle is a production of The Times Union. It's produced and edited by me, Jessica Marshall, with help from The Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks this week to Alexandra Zissou, Christy Gustafson-Barletti, and Rob Gavin for their contributions to this episode.